This is the Italian Citizenship Podcast, hosted by Marco Permunian and Rafael Di Furia. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Italian Citizenship Podcast, presented by ItalianCitizenshipAssistance.com. I'm Rafael Di Furia, here with Marco Permunian, the head of the U.S. Office of Italian Citizenship Assistance, back here with us again to talk more about Italian citizenship. And today we wanted to discuss a little bit more in detail some subjects we've already spoken about, uh, getting Italian citizenship, just but really breaking it down to the basic, basic thing is where does a person even start with proving that they're eligible for Italian citizenship? So, of course, if you are of Italian descent um, and are interested in applying for Italian citizenship by descent, you have to prove your lineage. So, you have to know who your Italian ancestor was. And by Italian ancestor, I mean the person born in Italy. So, that's where normally it starts. You have to have someone who was born in Italy in your Italian lineage who emigrated to another country. So say your ancestor uh, was born in Italy and emigrated to the US. Um, first of all, it's good to know where your Italian ancestor was from. Even if the fact that you don't know where he was from doesn't mean that it's impossible to find out. Sometimes it's very easy to find out where your ancestor came from, even if you don't have that information at the beginning. The second piece of information that you need to gather is uh, if and when your Italian ancestor became naturalized, meaning if he become a citizen of the country where he emigrated, so in this instance, the US. Uh, that is important because you will qualify for Italian citizenship only if your Italian-born ancestor did not become naturalized before the birth of his child. Why is that an important detail in this case? Why does it matter that a person, the ancestor, would be naturalized after the birth of their child and not before the birth? And by the way, we're talking about a child born in the U.S. because if also the child emigrated to the U.S. with the with his father, that's a different thing. But uh, say the child was born in the U.S., um, it is important to determine whether the ancestor was naturalized before or after the birth of this child, because prior to 1992, Italian citizenship was exclusive. Mm -hmm meaning the voluntary acquisition of another citizenship caused the loss of Italian citizenship. And because citizenship under Italian law is passed from parent to child, it is important to verify whether the parent, so in this instance, the immigrant was even Italian or still Italian when the child was born, meaning if he had become naturalized before the birth of the child born in the US, then it means that this person was no longer an Italian citizen when the child was born in the US. So just simply for the fact that they became a citizen of another country, that means they automatically lost their Italian citizenship, even if they never went to the Italian government and said, I don't want to be Italian anymore. Yes, that is correct. The simple naturalization was seen in the eyes of the Italian government as 
uh, formal renunciation to Italian citizenship. So I can already imagine people at home or in their cars, wherever they may be listening to this or watching this, wondering why is there a difference between the ancestor who left Italy and naturalized in a country versus the child who was born in that country and has American citizenship, for example? Why are they able to continue to be able to pass on Italian citizenship? So the difference would be that while the person who came from Italy and went to the U.S. decided to become a U.S. citizen and the consequence was the loss of Italian citizenship, the child of this person who was born in the U.S. became an American citizen involuntarily. So just because he or she was born on American territory. And in those instances, the Italian law allowed the child who just happened to be born in a foreign country, in a foreign country where citizenship is given to the child just because he was or she was born there. In these cases, the Italian law allows the child to maintain a dual citizenship status. So because it was automatic, they had no say in the matter. I mean, a baby can't say, oh, make me Italian, make me American. They just simply are or are not. Um, so if in the case that their parent did naturalize before their birth, then this would mean that child would only be an American citizen, that their parent was unable to pass that down to them. But uh, if their parent did naturalize after the fact, then that child would be able to hold both nationalities, assuming that the child had no say in their acquisition of the secondary citizenship, the non-Italian citizenship. Exactly. So it's important to verify whether your Italian-born ancestor became naturalized before or after the birth of the child born in the U.S. Because if that happened before, then the ancestor was no longer Italian when his child was born and therefore was unable to pass citizenship onto the child. So then just my next question would be, um, I would assume that would more or less go for every uh, generation that gave birth to the next generation before 1992. Like for example, if your grandfather came from Italy and moved to the United States, naturalized in America, and then your parent decided to move to, I don't know, Spain and became a naturalized citizen of Spain before 1992, would that mean that parent would have also lost their citizenship? Yes, whenever there is a person in your Italian line voluntarily um, acquiring the citizenship of another country uh, then before the birth of the child, then you would have a broken line and you would be not eligible to apply for Italian citizenship. Um, if that naturalization took place before 1992. Exactly. Do you ever see within your own client base that this happens where maybe one ancestor or multiple ancestors moved around potentially putting their Italian line at threat? Yeah, I've seen that a few times. Um, it was not uncommon for people from Italy to emigrate, say, to Argentina, mm -hmm. and then for the next generation to go, for example, to America. So the person born in Argentina would then go to the US. In those cases, you need to make sure that your Italian-born ancestor did not become a citizen of, in this case, Argentina, mm -hmm. before the birth of the child born in Argentina. But then you also have to make sure that the person who was born in Argentina and emigrated to the US 
did not become a citizen of the U.S. before the birth of the child born in the U.S. Otherwise, you would have a broken line again and you would not qualify for Italian citizenship. This is a topic which we have touched on before in a past episode, a full episode that we de devoted to this subject, but I think it may be worth touching on um, maybe the a female ancestor who gave birth before 1948. How would that potentially affect this Italian line? When there is a woman in your Italian line, basically you have to make sure that the next in line was born after January 1st, 1948. Uh, in that case, you're okay, you're going to be eligible for Italian citizenship, but if the woman in your Italian line gave birth to her child prior to January 1st, 1948, then you would technically be not eligible, regardless of the fact that this woman is the Italian immigrant or another female in your Italian line. Whenever there's a female and the child of this female was born prior to 1948, you technically do not qualify for Italian citizenship by descent. And maybe one more little piece of this. You mentioned this previously, but maybe it's worth touching on also. Uh, in a previous episode, you mentioned the Cable Act. How would that come into play uh, for a situation like this where you're trying to show that the Italian line was kept? So the Cable Act that came into effect in 1922 basically said that women um, that women's citizenship status was no longer connected to that of their husbands. So prior to 1922, a woman who was married basically followed the citizenship status of her husband. So say an Italian man and an Italian woman emigrated to the US. When Italian men became naturalized if the naturalization occurred prior to 1922, then the woman would have become naturalized as well automatically. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas if the naturalization occurred after 1922, then the woman would no longer become naturalized automatically. So basically after 1922, with the Cable Act, women in the US were allowed to decide where, whether they wanted to become U.S. citizens or not. Maybe just before we get too ahead of ourselves here, is there anything else in regards to the 1948 situation which we really need to cover? Yes, so as I said before, if you have a woman in your Italian line and the child of this woman was born prior to January 1st, 1948, you technically do not qualify for Italian citizenship, but people who have cases falling in this um, category can pursue Italian citizenship via the court system and they can actually be uh, successful. I've seen lately a lot of people who are being successful who have these so-called 1948 cases basically involving a woman in your Italian line who gave birth prior to 1948. And that's probably a good summary uh, about the 1948 cases. Uh, for more information people can check out our previous episode about uh, uh, these 1948 cases where we talked about uh, these cases in detail. Yeah, we went into a lot more detail in that episode. Um, but skipping around a little bit more, I'm sure this is going to annoy a few people, but in that situation where a woman was automatically naturalized because her husband became a citizen of the U.S., 
Would she be in a similar category to a child who was born in the United States um, who gained citizenship automatically, or is it a different sort of situation? Yeah, people whose cases fall in this category, they can also uh, petition the court um, and pursue Italian citizenship via the court system, meaning if your um, female ancestor became naturalized automatically, uh, involuntarily, just because her husband became naturalized, you can petition the court. And I've seen a lot of successful cases, people pursuing Italian citizenship this way, um, with cases falling in this category. And um, I think these people have very good cases because the point here is that the woman did not decide to become an American citizen. She just happened to be married just kind of looped in there. So this would be something similar in a way to a 1948 case, or is this, you could call this also a 1948 case? Yeah, we could call it a 1948 case um, if the child of this woman, which is normally the case, was born prior to uh, 1948. And to just quickly move forward through history a little bit, uh, we've previously spoken about uh, 1948 situations, and you were talking about 1992 earlier, uh, and also in previous episodes as well. What happened in 1992? What is the significance there that now allows people to be dual citizens or not have to worry about um, a broken family line. So in 1992, uh, the Italian government decided to allow dual citizenship. So if you are an Italian citizen who became naturalized in another country after 1992, you do not lose your Italian citizenship anymore. Um, and that's important because I've helped quite a few people um, in this situation. They usually have a parent who emigrated, say, to America uh, in the 80s or 90s and became naturalized prior to their birth, but after 1992. Say um, you were born in 94 and your parent became naturalized in 93. In that instance, you would still qualify for Italian citizenship because your parents became naturalized before you were born, but after 1992. Having spoken about eligibility, how does a person prove this information that they're uh, eligible for Italian citizenship? Where do they find this information? I mean, because clearly, uh, having spoken about it before, the, the whole getting a DNA ancestry test is not good enough uh, if you're needing to show all of these dates. How, how is it that you demonstrate these dates? And what if a person maybe doesn't know all of this information? So that's a good question. Um, of course, people should probably start by gathering information from family members and um, so they can ask parents, grandparents, if they are still living. But of course, there are situations where nobody knows anything or maybe you don't have any living relative. In those cases, um, it may seem very difficult and a very daunting process to try to understand if you even qualify for Italian citizenship, but it's it's not. Sometimes it's very easy if you know how to use the internet. So there are websites um, that are very, very helpful, like Ancestry.com or FamilySearch.org. Um, in these websites, you will find a lot of documents and information, uh, believe it or not, about your ancestors. 
um, for example, you can start looking for census records. The census records will tell you whether your ancestor was a naturalized U.S. citizen or still an alien, a legal alien living in the U.S. And that, of course, helps you determine um, when he became naturalized or if he became naturalized or draft cards. In uh, the draft cards, you will find, uh, in some cases, information related to the ancestor's place of birth and date of birth or ship manifests. For example, those will indicate the place of birth of the ancestor or sometimes the last place of residency. And they will also indicate sometimes uh, where the ancestor was going if he was joining other family members in the US. And sometimes by cross-referencing all of this information, you can put all the pieces together. So that's actually quite interesting. Um, this is something that I had to do during my own family research uh, to about my own ancestor who came from Italy. On the ship manifest for that person's uh, location, where they were from, it actually didn't list the direct location, the direct uh, town that that person came from, but it was uh, the province of where that person came from. And I, I think this is probably not uncommon that this would happen. Uh, and even the kind of story passed down or the information passed down was that this person would always say the name of the province that they were from, not necessarily the specific town. So even when I contacted, um, when I made contact with the, the, the city that is the same name as the province, uh, they didn't have any of the information and it took some more research. But if a person were in my situation where it's actually the province listed and maybe it's actually a smaller comune within the province, where would a person find that information of their ancestor's direct uh, location of birth? In those situations, it would be necessary to contact, um, unfortunately, um, all of the municipalities where your ancestor may have been born. Mm. In fact, the province that you just mentioned will not have like a, a central database for all of the municipalities within the province. So all you can do is contact them one by one, or you can research. Um, there is this website, um, if you Google Antenati, which basically means ancestor. A-N-T-E-N-A-T-I. Exactly. So if you Google that, the first website that will uh, pop-up is this website where you can see digital copies of the registries of birth held by the different municipalities. So you can actually browse uh, through the registries and if you're lucky you will actually find your ancestors birth certificate, the actual photocopy of the registry which is really nice it's handwritten That's and you cool. can see yeah all the information that was one thing that i loved seeing um with some of the documents that just from a personal perspective not even forgetting about the process forget, forgetting about everything just that connection with history when you start seeing the handwritten documents that are from 
1800s, 1900s, uh, just this early period when people actually still had very nice handwriting and they really cared about these things because it was so important, where now everything's digitized and it's just, you type it up quickly, throw a signature and a stamp and you're done. <laughs> and the handwritten certificates are very, very hard to read sometimes. You have to be good. But our genealogical team is very experienced in interpreting these documents. I know that's a, a huge help because I know there's many people who will get these documents and they think it's maybe to do with their ancestor, but then they find out it maybe is actually somebody else's. But it's great that you guys have this team, just a solid team here that's able to go look at the documents who are people who are used to looking at these forms of handwriting because some of it, I've seen a lot of these myself and I, I, yeah, sometimes you can't tell if it's a J, a Q, even if you think it's a U, it could be, I've heard, I've heard and I've seen all kinds of different crazy things with these older documents. And the website Antenati, uh, when people are doing research there, uh, is it available in English as well or is it just in Italian? So the website per se is great because it's, it has a lot of information. The only drawback, it's that it's only in Italian, unfortunately. So uh, so you would need to have a little bit of Italian under your belt or maybe someone who can help you through that. And I know all of what we've spoken today is included in the free eligibility assessment that you guys do. What is it, what's that process like from the back end, maybe to let people behind the curtain, so to speak? So yeah, as you said, we offer a free preliminary assessment of people's cases. And uh, within the, the assessment, we also do research. So um, first of all, we look at the family tree to see um, what the situation is, and we help people understand whether they qualify for Italian citizenship, but also we do research. So we use these websites and other websites um, to gather information because sometimes people come to us with some blanks that need to be filled in. Mm -hmm. So our genealogical team is just great. They go the extra mile and they look at all of these documents available in these websites, they cross-reference information, and they fill in the blanks. And sometimes we've got the information and people are surprised because they are like, oh, I didn't even know my uh, my great-grandmother's name and you found out so um, it's just great to see um, people's excitement and I know even from our past personal conversations I know that your team goes way beyond just these websites and sometimes you guys will get on the phone we'll send letters you guys will go crazy to try and figure out just a simple piece of information like a birth date a last name, a first name. I have some of the stories that you've told me have just been amazing about how much time and effort you guys actually put into this, like even sometimes weeks upon weeks of trying to really dig deep and get this information. So that's something I have to say that just as an outsider, I'm very impressed by that you guys spend that time. So just to quickly kind of recap everything that we've spoken about, about proving your eligibility for citizenship, actually demonstrating that to the Italian government. It would be necessary to have all of the major life events, vital, vital events um, of each of your ancestors' lives, connecting you back to Italy to your Italian-born ancestor, all the way down to you, and having each one of those documents 
And sometimes to get each of those documents, you have to look and cross-reference between documents uh, and even including ship manifests, um, as you were saying as well, uh, draft cards. Uh, even one thing I'm just remembering now that we've spoken about in the past is even um, looking at like a city directory, uh, something I, I was shocked when you told me about that you guys have actually delved that deep into it to find like these really strange documents. Um, and having all of the dates known, names known for the direct line and sometimes indirect line, these are very important. Um, is there anything else that's really important for showing the person's eligibility? Yeah, in a nutshell, uh, that's basically what it comes down to. But if people need help in determining their eligibility, they, of course, can contact us. And uh, like I said before, uh, we offer a free preliminary eligibility assessment service. So. You guys are welcome to let us know if you need any help. And what's the easiest way for people to get in contact with you guys? People can just uh, fill out the contact form that is on our website, or they can contact me directly at marco at italiancitizenshipassistance.com. That's wonderful. And really, I have to say, it's absolutely refreshing to see someone out there who's qualified to be able to go out and give this information and willing to talk with people about this. Um, and I think actually this might be a good place to wrap up this episode. So thank you all so much for joining us. And I hope you have enjoyed this and found this helpful. If you ever have any questions about any of the subjects that we've spoken about in this video, or if you have any other questions about any other topics, feel free to leave that down in the comment section below. And we will be doing question and answer sessions, Q&A sessions in future videos where we use user submitted questions. And of course, make sure that you're subscribed with that notification bell turned on to get notified of these updates. And of course, you can follow the Italian Citizenship Assistance Facebook page. And of course, I'm Rafael Di Furia here with Marco Permunian. And we will see you all next time. Bye. Later.